It's episode nine. Yep. As if we're nearly ten episodes in. I didn't think we'd do one. I know. <laughs> do you know what as well? The difference from episode one to now, even in just nine episodes, there's such a difference. You reckon? Oh, yeah. I do all editing, so I hear it. Oh, yeah. Carl does all work. But I still feel as nervous now as I did in episode one. Yeah. Still, that ne- it's just nerve-wracking yeah. when we first start. I hope everyone's had a good week. We've actually reached some good numbers on Spotify this week. I'm quite happy. I think we've got 700 listens, which more than we thought. We thought seven. Yeah, if we were lucky. <laughs> if we were lucky. Um, has anyone else been up to out? Because we've done nothing no, again. It's, it's gone really quick again this week. Last two weeks, it has just flown by. I don't know if it's because kids are at school or... Yeah, maybe. But we've been for his Costa a few times. Yeah, we have. Been for a few walks. I walked around part with Rach. Yeah. You were supposed to be out fishing today, weren't you? But never Did, mind. Um, thanks for all the feedback again. Yeah, been good. Has anybody been watching The Circle? Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. At the moment, as it stands, I'm not, I'm not overly bothered who wins it. Yeah. Because I like them all. Yeah. So Circle's like a catfish game, isn't it? Yeah. It's a popularity contest. We'd be shit at that. <laughs> we would. We'd have to go in as someone else. I couldn't pretend for that long, though. But we haven't been watching any murderous stuff. But we have got some saved on Planner. Yeah, we've always got a few bits saved, haven't we? Carla's just told me off a tapping tablet. How annoying. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So, if anyone wants to like us, uh, Facebook page, Instagram, terrifying and twisted, terrifying underscore twisted. Yep. We're also trying to get us cases on YouTube, aren't we? God, it's been a minefield. Yeah, I'm trying to sort that. Not sure how well it'll go. But so, anyone that could help us, please get in touch <laughs> with us. <laughs> it is up. It'd be good. So on that note, I'll get started on my first case. Yep. Well, not my first case, but I'm first this week. You are. So grab your brews, get yep. your cigs. Get comfy. Get comfy. So this one is about a lady called Elsa Hannaway. She grew up in St. Vincent and Grenadines in the West Indies. Okay. She dreamt of a new life and eventually, in 1960s, she was a teenager, she moved to the UK. Um, she got on quite well in the UK. Um, in 1970s, she had a little bit of bother for minor theft. No major. No, yeah. So she settled into life in the UK in the Longsight district of Manchester. So from what I work out, it's like three miles away from Manchester City Centre. Okay. Um, she was happy there. She'd got five children. She, at this time that we're talking about, she's 34. So she's got five children. She's been married. Her and her husband separated, but separated on good terms. Yeah. She lived at a place called Lyford Walk, Longside, Manchester. Three miles south of the city centre. 1984, age 34, Elsa became a grandmother. A 14-year-old daughter 
Joanne gave birth to a little boy called Raphael. What? Yeah. She's 14. This is 80s. Right, go on. Uh, she gave boy, birth to a little boy called Raphael. Obviously, family life were hard because there were quite a few children. Yeah. She doted on her children and her grandchildren. Her grandchild, sorry. It were a really close family. Raphael sometimes called Elsa mummy. Okay. I don't know why that's a bit weird, but... Just did. It, it just did. Elsa, she enjoyed going out dancing, socialising, chance to chill out, time away from all kids. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Not at all. She was known to be a bit loud and boisterous when she'd had a drink, but a lot of people are, including Carla. Excuse me? <laughs> I have changed over time, Philip. So, everything changes. Thursday, October 29th, 1987. It's first time in a while that Elsa's been out. Okay. So, first she has a few drinks in the West Indian Sports and Social Club in Raby Street. Then she moved on to a place called the Big Western Pub. Now, from what I looked on Google Earth, yeah, it's not far away. You could you could literally walk it. Okay. So she stayed at this Big Western Pub till closing time. She left a pub with a bloke called Ewart Simon. Ewart Simon later testified that Elsa was pretty drunk yeah. and they parted ways not long after leaving pub. Next, Elsa, she was seen at Queenie Crescent, drunk, trying to get into Halloween parties. Okay. Just she wanted a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yet again, Queenie Crescent is quite close and what's on Google Earth. She returned to West Indian Sports Social. She refused. So she tried to get a lift with someone and this bloke said, I'm not going your way. Right. So she left the West Indian Sports and Social at about 1.15am. Okay. Next, she was spotted at 2.15am at the junction of Lloyd Street. Now Lloyd Street is 150 yards away from a place called Whitworth Park. Now, Whitworth Park is just like a big park. Yeah. Surrounded by buildings. I think there's hospitals quite close to it. Hopefully, we could put up maybe a picture and I could show yeah. people. I'll try and do that. Um, looking on Google Earth, she were halfway home, Whitworth Park. Yeah. Between Moss Side, which is where she was when she were out drinking, and to Longside, which is home. Okay. Now, the distance between them is roughly about four miles. Even though... When she was spotted at Whitworth Park, Whitworth Park seems a bit up and out of way. Right. Instead of going straight across from Mossside to Longside, she's sort of gone up a bit, okay. which didn't make sense to me, but hey-ho. But she was drunk. Yeah. You've no idea what she was thinking. So, 7am next morning, a jogger on his usual room discovered Elsa's battered and naked body lying in undergrowth. 100 yards away from the entrance of Whitworth Park. Park. Yeah. She were alive, but barely. Fucking hell. Jogger found the police. She got rushed to hospital. Six hours, they tried to save her, and she died later that day. She never regained consciousness. Fucking hell. Poor girl. Now, I, w I will tell you the extent to what how she would be, but news were broken to the family. There were a huge police investigation. Team of 125 detectives, led by Detective Superintendent Arnold Beals, started the hunt for what was nicknamed the Beast of Whitworth Park. Obvious suspects were interviewed, such as the ex-husband, yeah. uh, Ewart Simon, who saw her at the pub, yeah. ruled out, and local people were also questioned. Now, the investigators were shocked at ferocity of... What had happened. What had happened to Elsa. So, this is a quote from 
Detective Sun Superintendent Arnold Bales in 1987. Quote, the attack was sickeningly severe. I will not rest until we have our man. It was an appalling attack by a very violent man who must be caught, unquote. So police's best guess was that Elsa had been brutally beat to death by the killer's bare hands and feet. Right. She had internal injuries, severe brain damage. Some of her tooth were knocked out. Then she was dragged 100 yards off street into the park, stripped, raped and beaten even more. All with bare hands as well. Yeah. Fucking hell. And then, of course, this person left her to die. Like a piece of shit. At first, they're, they're assuming that it's a sex crime. Her handbag's there, her clothes are near her body, but her six-inch gold chain that she had on her wrist... Is missing. Right. Maybe a souvenir. They like to keep stuff. Also at the scene was a seconda watch with a broken strap. So their watch. The theory is that she's obviously tried to fight for her life. Pulled his pulled his watch off. Yeah. At the time, student population were obviously really scared that this woman had been beat to death yeah. in a park, left for dead. They were headline news. Leads had gone quite quiet because the local police's relationship with places like Mossside and Longside are yeah. very good. Yeah. Now, what I'll say about Mossside and Longside is my best friend uh, were born in Longside. Yeah. And obviously lived quite close to my side. His, uh, his mum obviously lived through this happening. She says she don't remember it happening. But at that time there were quite a lot of murders. Know. So it's quite a rough gang related area. area. Yeah. So they're struggling with people to get leads. People that were in the vicinity of the park came forward and they got one strong lead. And it was from a lady called Patricia... O'Loughlin, she'd also been out on town. Same night. Getting drunk. Got a, a good time. Got a taxi home. And she lived quite close to the park. She got out of a taxi at 2.45am. And she said that she saw a West Indian couple arguing a little bit away from uh, the footpath that led to the park. This couple arguing. She saw this man grab this woman from behind in it like a bear hug and right. pin her arms to her side. She thought, oh, it's a domestic, I'm not getting involved. Were it actually that person taking her i've no idea because i want there oh sure <laughs> do you know what i mean Fuck off. so she saw this woman this man grabbed this woman from behind in a bear rug yeah and pinned arms to the side and they were arguing so she thought he were a domestic carried on walking home she looked back and she said that she saw this man stood over the woman while yeah. she were on her hands and knees screaming well shouting oh my god at him so as far as she were concerned they just had a domestic and he'd pushed her on the floor or I, I don't know i don't know what she thought i'm not her and i wasn't there look at you <laughs> stopping me just come let me could you <laughs> go on so she describes this man that were with elsa as early 20s yep west indian raster appearance so he had dreadlocks Stubbly beard. He had one of those knitted hats. Yeah. Red, green, and gold. They are called a rasta cap or tams. Okay. Artist sketch was done. The reports a man fitting this sketch was seen running from the park at ten past three, panicked, coming out Oxford Road side of the park, which is close to where Elsa was found. Right. And she saw him at the other quarter. Side. Yeah. And he come out the other side at ten past. Yeah. So if he was the one that's done this, obviously I don't know yet. F 
fuck me, he must have beat her with some force because he hadn't been at it that long to cause brain damage, yeah. to do cause internal injuries. He then stripped a naked, raped her, beat her a bit more and then left in that period of time. Yeah. Piece of shit. This man we never traced, never oh. came forward. Right. Like I said, again, alongside and Moss side, it's got gun and gang crime. It's a dangerous place to live. So police felt like more was known about this. More people knew what Just had nobody's happened. coming forward. But obviously, relationship with police is broken. Yeah. They're seen as racist fucks, and obviously you've got all that gangland. Uh, they do a TV appeal, press appeal. Now, police don't help themselves because they actually do an appeal on a, an illegal Moss Side radio station called IRS Radio. So they even do an appeal on that. But then two weeks later, they close this radio station down. Okay. Like, that's not going to piss them off, is it? No. So Elsa's murder still now remains unsolved. All children have grown up, got families. Elsa's eldest daughter, Joanne, who obviously has Raphael. Yeah. She feels that Elsa's been forgotten. In 2016, she quoted, Raphael even called her mummy. When news of the murder was broadcast on Granada TV that night, little Raphael pointed at the screen and said, There's mummy. That broke everybody's heart. I'll never forget that. Obviously, there is someone out there who would know who has done this or who knows something. I think it's really sad after so many years that it's just been left. She's been forgotten. I don't think she should be forgotten. I don't think anybody should die on their own like that. To me, it was a pointless waste of life. Unquote. Can't they reopen it? Forensics has come on so well, much. Yeah, DNA, DNA profiling was still new, obviously. Yeah. In these days. It's come on a lot. No samples of blood or semen were collected. Why? Perhaps he wore a condom. I hate it when it's left like this. It drives me mad because I, she's so just said it all. You know, no one deserves to... It's a waste of life. For what? They've still got Elsa's clothing and this Seconda watch 30 years plus after... So has no, one, has no one thought to look back into this and reopen it? I've no idea. Wow. They should. Yeah, definitely. But I dare say it's not the only cold case that oh, God, no. Manchester will have. No, especially if Yem's mum said that murder were rife. Yeah. Then. I'll actually tell you what he said about where he grew up. Whitworth Park is in South Manchester, opposite to the University and Hospital, Manchester Royal Infirmary. So Whitworth Park was actually near Manchester Royal Infirmary. Yeah. She was yards away from a hospital. And she just got left there to die. It's in the borough of Rush Home, but it's next to Longside, my home borough, and Mossside. Two hotspots for gun and gang crime for decades. Notoriously, the Gooch gang on Longside crew were from this region. And then he went on to say, I spoke to a mother about the beast of Whitworth Park. She does not remember this case, but her exact words were... Lots of murders happened in the area anyway. Too many to keep up with. Things are not like this anymore. Fantastic community work has been done and crime is at a level no worse than any other major city. Longsight is almost a student area now. Nice to see things have changed. So yeah, unsolved. I hate it when it's like that. It always... um, It sticks in your head because you just don't... I don't like the thought of anybody just being left with... And family with no answers. Yeah. It's awful. And no one to to hold accountable. And this is just one of God knows how many. God, yeah, a lot. We see it a lot, don't we? I mean, we did Billy Joe Jenkins. 
a few episodes back and that's still, still unsolved. Yeah, none the wiser. The unsolved ones, it's sort of like you've had your dinner <laughs> and then you want a bit of dessert but you can't have dessert. Can't get to the end. Yeah. So my case this week is about a gentleman called Gary Heinick. This case was also known as the Cellar Girls. So Gary was born in November of 1943 and he was the eldest of two kids to Michael and Elaine Heinick. His parents went on to divorce when Gary was about three. Him and his younger brother were brought up by his mum for about four years and then they went to live with the dad for about seven years. I don't know why ins and outs that's all i come across then gary was sent to the military academy and he spent two years there there's a lot on this gentleman's background but i'm not gonna go into it i am gonna go into it but not as much as what i could have done yeah because i kind of felt it was trying to find a justification of maybe why and you know that got me back up this week anyway justifying it no and so i just didn't want to go into all that so what i will say um he basically lived between homes and he then claimed that he suffered a lot of emotional abuse by his dad especially because of his bedwetting tick yep number one it said that he wet the bed for years and years and as a sort of punishment his dad would make him go hang his sheets out on the washing line in front of all the neighbours so it was a public embarrassment. embarrassment yeah Gary's dad is now dead but what I've read in statements from him before he died he completely denies all this says there were no sort of emotional abuse going on but we'll never really know no so military school um, they tested Gary's IQ and he was 148. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, so pretty smart cookie. His sergeant said that he was really, really good whilst doing his training. He was very obedient and just got on with it. Then, after that, he left military school and he trained as a medic in Texas. Right. He then got transferred to Germany where he served at the 46th Army Surgical hospital and things seemed to be sort of going normal for him and he spent quite a lot of time just happily in life working at this hospital then all of a sudden he started to change and there's reports that his bosses started worrying because all of a sudden he started calling in sick for work not showing up for shifts just completely out of character for him but he'd always just say he had headache or sickness that were it never anything else but it become really really regular so is it just skiving maybe just be skiving Maybe, but there's no record of sort of what kind of state of mind he were in then, or if he was struggling, but by the time he saw his doctor, it was basically said that he'd had a, a breakdown and it was prescribed antipsychotic medication. I can't find any information how it went from calling in sick and having headaches to a full-blown breakdown. There's no, like, information. Right. There's no record anyway, let's say. So he was given the antipsychotics, but then he was just discharged from army. He went on then to become a licensed nurse and he started working in a psychiatric hospital himself. He worked there for quite a while, but then he got sacked because he started to become quite rude to his patients. I'm just doing a bit of a terrible job. Right. So he got sacked. He got booed. He got kicked out. From 1962 to 
1987, Gary spent most of his time in and out of psychiatric hospitals himself. That's a long time. It is a long time. It's said that he was prone to extreme bouts of depression. He had multiple suicide attempts. Right. Okay. Which is not to be sneered at. Not at all. I've chose to leave this bit in because I could probably imagine a few people saying, mm, is this going to be an excuse for what he's done? I'm not saying this is an excuse for what he's done, but I didn't want to leave this part out because I think it's important that people know. Yeah, about you know, it, Yeah, 100%. So he obviously did. Like you say, that were a long time to spend in a psychiatric hospital. Sorry, I'm moving on my chair. You're doing me head in. Carla tells me I've become... Let me just pull it forward. I told you to do that before we started. <laughs> Let everyone just wait for you, Philip. Right, we're there. Go on. Right, so it were a long time. Okay. It's also well documented that this extreme depression sort of ran in his family. It's documented that his brother and his dad had also attempted suicide at one point or another. So, you know, genetics, who knows? And then in 1970, his mum actually committed suicide by poisoning herself. Oh, wow. um, she made a concoction. It's said that she was in an abusive marriage and she felt the only way out was to take herself down into the basement. So that's someone Drink. else who's confirming this abuse? From... No, because this is a different guy. Right, okay. They're divorced, right, remember, okay. right? So, yeah, she poins poisoned herself. Well, it's not, it's not a very good home life, is it? no. It's not, and to say both mum and dad clearly suffered with mental illness, it's sort of kind of... And we're talking about mental illness in... In 1970. Yeah. So, you know, we weren't... 50 years ago. Yeah. Right, so Gary did go on to marry and have children with a few different women, but none of these relationships were ever normal. His first marriage was to a lady called Betty, now, it is said that she was a mail-order bride. There's nothing ever documented how they actually met, but there is lots of letters back and forth right. between them uh, because Betty was from the Philippines. I had a uh, mail-order bride once. Rain it in. <laughs> Rain it in. Betty then moved, over, moved to America, not really knowing much about Gary at all. She comes over, they get married, and it turns out that it was going to be a pretty shitty, abusive relationship. He'd force her to watch while he had sex with prostitutes, other women. He would repeatedly rape her, abuse her. Eventually, she managed to escape and she went straight back to the Philippines. Okay. It is then stated, he, he has said himself that that really pissed him off because... What she a fucking were, shame. She was pregnant with his child and she'd left. She made the right choice. 100%. 100%. So he then went on to have another child. Oh, this bit winds me up. He went on to have another child with a woman called Anjanette. Anjanette had an IQ of only 48. Right. So this woman had quite severe learning disabilities. He massively, massively took advantage of her. Yeah. When she had the child, the CPS removed it straight away i'm saying it that not to be rude there's nowhere that states if it were a boy or a girl right but this child was uh, removed because obviously with her learning disabilities she weren't deemed capable enough to raise a child safely yeah so once gary had anjanette 
it said that he just became obsessed with this control that he could have. And what he decided to do next was, Anjanette had a sister who was also in a mental institution. And Gary decided that he was going to go and sign her out. Apparently she was allowed to be signed out for day release as long as she went back. So this was in 1978. He went and signed her sister out. He took her back to their home where he decided just to keep her captive there for 10 days, raping and torturing her. The police obviously went looking for her and because he'd stupidly signed it in his own name, they went knocking straight on his door. And the founder covered in blood, hiding in the basement, terrified. He then was arrested and charged with kidnapping, rape, unlawful restraint, yeah. false imprisonment yeah. and interfering with a committed person. Yeah. So when I read all that, I thought... He's going to get some years. Fuck off. He served three. Fucking hell. <laughs> he served three years. Um, I just, I'll have to remind myself that this is 50 years ago. Yeah, it is. So... Three fucking I know, years. I know. He comes out anyway, right? He's out and he decides to move to Philadelphia. He moves to an area that were quite rife with sex workers openly on streets. Again, 50 years ago, times were different. Yeah. Gary then meets a woman called Josephina, who was 25, and this lady was massively dependent on drugs. He picks her up, they exchange money for sex. They do the deed. Once they've done... What deed did they do? Well, I'm assuming she's... <laughs> uh, we don't have to go into detail, but she's clearly had sex with him, hasn't she? Uh, so once they've done what they were doing, Gary decides to choke her until she passes out. He, take, he drives her to her, his house, drags her into his basement, and he chains her up in his basement. It's one of them that likes to keep... Oh, this is nothing. He's a keeper, isn't he? He wants yeah. to keep a person like a... A sex slave. Yep. Yeah. So, it's said that he was pretty prepared within this basement. Yeah, I can believe it. He, on all the bolts, all the screws, everything was super glued. Nothing will remove, you want escaping him. He had dug deep holes along his basement floor and he actually called them the pit. And his idea was to kidnap women, put them in these pits and barred him up. So that's what he did. Kind of like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So he left Josephina in there for three days, barred it up. Then Gary goes down into the basement and he's brought another woman with him. And this woman's called Sandra, who was 24. Now, Josephina has said that it was clear that Sandra had learning difficulties. Same sort of thing. She asked how she got there and she told her that Gary saw her walk into the shops. This bloke knows what he's fucking doing. Of course he's he does. A sex worker. Yep. And someone with learning difficulties. difficulties. Yeah. So she was walking to the shop. He's offered her a lift. She said yeah. And again, he knocked her unconscious. Then got her back to his house, chained her up, and there she was. Um, and then what he decided to do was basically force the two of them to watch as he raped one of them, one back, you know, one after other repeatedly. Now that was on the twenty eighth. Of November, so he kept the two women just together until New Year's Day of 1987. Right. And in 19 so over a month. Yeah, 1987. Deborah was then brought down to the basement. A third. A third. It's actually said that Deborah was the feisty one out of these women. She challenged him. Yeah, 
he hated it. Good. Absolutely hated it. Then one day, it's not actually stated what day, that's why just one day, um, he realised that the girls in the basement could hear him as he were coming and going from home. So to stop that happening again, he decides to go down and ram screwdrivers into their ears, completely busting their eardrums. They couldn't hear him. What an absolute fucking horrible person. Oh, absolute piece of shit. The women soon realised that if they started disobeying him, it was just dangerous. Yeah. He was violent, he was torturing them, he'd beat them, he'd rape them, he'd put them on punishment, he'd starve them. Just a piece of fucking shit. Then in later, that was New Year's, Deborah got brought on New Year's Day, and then later on in the January, so it's 1987, Jacqueline was then added to the basement, and she was 18. I think on the same day, Sandra basically pissed him off. So he decided to put her into one of the pits. But when he went back upstairs, she tried to climb out. So what he decided to do was hang her up by her wrists on a wooden beam with handcuffs and he starved her. He left her hanging like that for seven days. What I've read is, when I say hanging, I don't mean like her legs, her tiptoes could barely touch the floor. So if she really stretched she sort of propped herself up, but she was basically hanging. Uh, so she was there like that for seven days. Now, don't forget these other ladies are all bolted and chained. Absolutely fuck all they could have done to help. But having to watch this at the same oh, time. Oh, can you imagine the, the mental torture? Yeah. Horrific. So when he went down after seven days, he took her down, but she was dead. And he'd not realised. Now... He'd literally starved her to death. Yeah. At this point, I'm laughing. I don't mean to laugh, that's rude. At this point, he said he couldn't just get rid of a body. They'd find it. He didn't want that to happen. So he decided that he was going to cut her up. He decided that he was going to make the other girls hell. He convinced them that if they didn't and the police came, they'd be blamed for being an accessory, basically. He cooked her ribs in the oven, boiled her red in some boiling water. He struggled to find what to do with her arms and legs. So he put them in the freezer and labelled them dog food. Why is he... Why is he cooking her? We'll get if he, on to that. If, if he wants to get rid of her body, why is he cooking her? By this point, his neighbours had started cl- complaining about this smell coming from house. Your and the bank police. Like shit. <laughs> Please get to his house and ask him. But Gary just says that he fell asleep and burnt his roast. Now, what I am going to say, how the fuck did them police not know? We've had this conversation mm-hmm. and I've told you the smell of death is such a distinctive smell. Yeah. You will never forget that smell. It fucking burns your nostrils. Yeah. See, I... It's I, awful. I don't know. So. Awful. So for me, hearing that the police had turned up at his door and he could just say that he would, he'd burnt a roast, fuck off, mate. This ain't a joint of beef. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, the fucking... The, the, they say fine and off they go. And Gary's left to do his cooking. Yeah. So he then decides to grind the rest of her up, the flesh. He fed bits to his dog. He then mixed some up with dog biscuits and fed them to the girls oh, in the basement. So remember how I said before that Deborah was the feisty one. Um, apparently, it's not actually said what she did apart from just disobeying him. And as part of a punishment, what? it would do is you know the pits that it dug it filled them with water well so much water in bottom it then make the other girls help him with this extension to dangle a live wire into the water and whichever person were on punishment would be electrocuted yeah. one day deborah disobeyed him and that's exactly what he did and it killed her so 
he'd realised, I think, how much effort it took to cut a body up yeah. and get rid of it. And now he's got another. Now he's got another. So he decided to just go and dump it. It was found, so. But he decided to just dump her. Piece of shit. So, obviously, he killed two people by now. He decided that he needed a new captive. So, <laughs> honestly, I can't make this up. So, Angus was then brought to the basement. It's said that they already sort of knew each other because, again, sex worker and he had hired her before. They'd obviously had sexual relations. Same thing, chained her up, the torture, the rape and everything else. Now, what I will say is, I forgot to mention, when he moved, when he first got out of jail and he moved to Philadelphia, yeah. he set up a church. Now, I'm saying the word church loosely because it wasn't this is like it wasn't a church that people go to and whereas his, his home his own his church, own church yeah. out of his house yeah so more like a cult yeah now it is said that a lot of the people that attended were quite low on iq they were learning difficulties sort of people so the vulnerable is who we targeted and it's actually said that he swindled thousands upon thousands doing this so Gary had basically made it extremely clear to these women that his sole purpose was to get them all pregnant. He wanted to have 10 ladies down in that basement and what he called was a baby farm. So he just wanted to get them all pregnant and have loads of kids. This fucking bloke. So by this time, Josephina had started to figure him out and she'd started to see that like he was very unpredictable and she sort of knew what triggered him. Yeah. So what she basically decided to do was play him at his own game. She wanted to befriend him. Yeah. She kept... Try and manipulate him. Convinced him that she was on his side. Yeah. She knows he's lonely. All this. Now, eventually it started to work and he started allowing her to go upstairs. She was allowed to shower. The others weren't. She was allowed to shower. She'd cook him tea. They'd watch movies. And a lot of... This, this girl got a lot of backlash for this because people had said surely she had plenty of opportunity to escape but her reasoning was if she escaped back like that he would have killed them other women yeah and then don't gone on run so she didn't want to just save herself she wanted to make sure they, these other Everyone girls got out it, it sort of drove a massive wedge between girl the, the women i'm calling them girls the that's women. quite selfless though yeah it is it is it's very selfless yeah um, and I can imagine it was really hard when it drove a wedge between her and the other victims yeah. because they would have seen her as getting special treatment. Yeah. But actually what she were doing was just trying to save all the races. Yeah. So like I said, she really wanted to save them all. She just played along with him. And then again, eventually over time, he just seemed to trust her more and more. So by this point, she convinced him, if you drive me to town, let me go say a final goodbye to my family. I promise you, I will come with you, no problems, and we will have children. So he agrees and he drives her to town. But what she says to him is, you need to park at this petrol station because if my family see your car, they'll call it in, they'll ring place. So that's exactly what he did. And he's, he's thinking, oh, she's looking out for me here. Exactly. She's on my side. Mm. Um, so that's what he did. He basically says, you've got 15 minutes, and if you're not back, I'll go kill them all. So sort of him still in control, but I think she's in a pretty good fucking spot. So she gets out of his car, walks away really calmly, but then as soon as she's round the corner, she goes to near his phone box, rings police. Luckily, there were a patrol car nearby. As soon as they saw her, they saw the marks on her where she'd been chained up and stuff like that. Yeah. 
she basically explained that if you do not go get him now, I'm nearly out of this 15 minutes time, he's going to go kill them girls. Yeah. So that's exactly what they did. And on the 24th of March, 1987, he was arrested at the petrol station where he was sat in his car waiting for her to come she, back. She played that fucking long game, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, of course she did. Well done. Honestly, hands down to her because we've seen it. We have watched quite a few of kidnappings where the held captive mm. aren't we and we've seen first and you fight back it gets you nowhere yeah i think that's if i ever got took that's what i'd do you'd have to and after all that mental torture she still managed yeah. to so the police then go to his house lots and lots of reports just state how bad this house were it was that bad the officers were genuinely like throwing up at the smell oh but they couldn't, just, they couldn't but they couldn't smell the fight were the fight were roast a beef cooking roast dinner. yeah dickheads um but real you know silver lining they managed to save lisa who was 19 jacqueline who was 18 angus who was 24 and then obviously josephina had already got out and by the time they'd been found they'd basically been in the basement for four months four months continuously tortured raped be just absolute awful things so gary tried to go down the insanity defense i can sort of see why given his background i'm not saying it's a justification no but the choices that he's made well this is why just let me tell you why it got dismissed right remember the church yeah you remember all the funding you remember all the money swindled? They basically argued that if he was insane... He won't be able to do that. He would not be able to do this yeah. and be living a comfortable life with all this money sat in. Yeah. So it basically went against him. So fuck you. Dickhead. And in July 1988, he was found guilty and he was sentenced to death. He then tried to hang himself yeah. in the January. And i couldn't find who what but in 1997 some family of his went down the whole appeals process and everything and they tried to get him off death row but the supreme court ruled their final decision as a nope he is going to be sentenced to death and in the july 1999 he was put to death by lethal injection good so there we have the story and just because i say good don't mean that i'm all for uh, the death penalty, but that's a massive uh, that's a conversation or argument ca- yeah. that people can have. Um, I haven't got. Well, I have got a view on it, but I'm I'm torn. So you've said that for a long time. There's no point in even. <laughs> it's a discussion that can go. We've had it. Yeah. Me, you, Lee on video call for hours, ages, yeah. just discussing it. And so your case. Wow. She's Do you like a, it? She's a fucking badass. Yeah. Do you know what though? That poor woman has had so much shit thrown at her people accused her of being basically his accomplice and that she wasn't actually a captive at all she was part of the whole plan she's took some right stick some complete and utter vile things said about her much from Caroline. i enjoyed it i i enjoyed i enjoy unsolved but what you've done is for a friday night is you're gonna make me sit there and have a look into it and see what i can figure out and then i'll be questioning all night saying phil why haven't they done this? <laughs> Phil, why didn't they do that? Because that's what I do. Yeah. Unsolves always get me a bit harder, I think. Well, yeah, because there's no... Reason. No, re- nothing. You don't get anything. You don't get any justification, no. No, anything. You don't get, you don't get fuck all. No you, one's... You, a, you, just no. Get, you just get the horrible story of something horrible that's happened to someone and nothing else. 
which is like there's there's, there's no one to hold accountable. Yeah. It's just awful for families, isn't it? And that yeah. person could still live around there now. Yeah, hundred percent. See, people have got a lot of skeletons in closets, Philip. Yeah, you don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't. I don't. I I don't know how anybody is able to keep secrets like that till they go to the grave, and a lot of a lot of them do. Yeah. Not disclosing where bodies are. A lot of them are mind games, though, isn't it? Yeah. Been in control. Control is a massive, massive thing for these kind of people. So, I hope you listeners have enjoyed these cases. Yeah, I hope they've... um... Tickledy pickle. (laughs) Yeah. I hope you all have a nice weekend, whatever you've got planned. And we'll see you next week for episode... 10 so we'll try and make it a really really good one we'll try we'll try we try every episode i'm gonna say we do put a lot of effort in people that might think you just sit here week in week out press a button we, we, put, chat a, shit. we put a lot of effort into researching this cases yeah. so we'll see you next week we will see ya bye